Hello, everyone. So, ooh, that's louder than I thought. So I was trying to think of what... I've been in a bit of a reflective mood, like when Dad asked me to do this. It's like, what was it like growing up, coming to church here? And I was trying to think, what like is a good little anecdote to say? And actually, they all seem to revolve around food. I was trying to think, like, stealing cakes was, like, the primary one. Like, but actually, then um, also... When we had communion today, I used to love the communion when they had the... It was really nice white bread. And thinking back, it's really gross. But, like, I'd just eat whatever was left after communion and just try and, like, get as much of that as possible. And then, like, would be way too, like, full to eat lunch. And, like, that's what church was for me at first. But growing up, then, actually, it's become so much more. And... I was trying to think, like, what are the questions that I've, like, had growing up, like, in this sort of space? And I think it always came back to, like, what does it mean to, like, have a resilient faith? Because I've had the chance to see so many people, like, come both to church here and, like my dad said, I go to church in London now, a church called KXC. And it seems that, like, people grapple with these questions all the time of, like, it's almost easy to do church when life is good. It's like a great community. Say you're new somewhere, you're trying to find some friends. Church is a really easy in. But, like, I don't find that personally all that interesting I've got no interest in just having this be like a season of my life where I look back and I had like my triathlon period where I love doing that and then a period where I love going to church and it's just one of those like little like discrete parts of your life for me I want to do this seriously and I want to do this with longevity otherwise like what is the point so yeah that's why today the thing that's sort of like the question I sort of wanted to pose is like how do you have a resilient faith but actually I feel there's two parts to that like, life comes in different seasons, and, like, the big one is, like, oh, resilient faith when, like, life gets hard. Like, that's obviously, like, that's one thing, like, because we all have these, like, really tough moments. But then at the same time, there's, like, a lot of life is really mundane. And it seems actually a lot of the time people seem to slip out, in my experience of church, in the mundane as well. So it's, like, what are these two sort of questions going on there? Because, but to start a little bit just with, like, life gets hard. I remember, no, that's not what I'm starting with. Um, when I was growing up, and I'm not going to spend the whole time making this autobiographical, I find that that is one thing when people preach infrequently really bugs me, but I'm just going to do it a little bit, don't worry. Um, it's very easy, I think, when you start out with faith to have this, like, chasing mountaintop moments and you know we see in the bible with the mount of transfiguration like peter and john like they're desperate or peter's desperate to stay up there and it's similar i remember when i was 15 is sort of the moment i would say i became a christian whatever that means uh, for someone who grew up always saying they believed it but that was the first time i really encountered god for myself it was a church weekend away and i remember them saying if you want to experience god come and get prayed for and going up to the front, getting prayed for. We got told to kneel down just so they could get around everyone. And then my mate, like my mate next to me was like, he'd started crying. And I was, like, I was just like really annoyed. I was like, how come he gets all this? And I'm just lying here feeling absolutely nothing. And then the person next to me on the other side, they were, they were crying. And then just suddenly something hit me. And it was like this powerful encounter that I can't really explain in words that do it justice. And that was like the turning point. But then you come home. And you t I remember telling everyone at school, just being like, oh, have you, like, have you heard about Jesus? Like that classic, like really overly enthusiastic 15-year-old, no nuance. And none of them ever came to church. Um, but that's not enough. Um, that's, you know, so it's, how does it sustain? Um, 
So yeah, those are the questions that we're sort of opening with today. I then wanted to just pull us to the prodigal son story and Luke 15. And I've not got this on slides today, so I'm just going to read a few bits. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together with all he had, set off into a distant country and squandered his wealth with wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. He began um, to be in need, and so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. This feels like a person who's having one of the tough moments in life, very detached from the father. And now I just want to sort of skip towards the end. He's come home. We, a lot of us will know that, you know, they embrace with the father. Very celebratory moment. But then someone turns to the older brother. And he's like, your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. And you, get, and you gave me never even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes to your home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And frankly, as has been said many times, like this person, the older brother was just as distant from the father. And actually, neither of them have maintained a relationship with any resilience with the father. I've always sense that there's this strange it's less extreme like dichotomy that you have to choose between as a Christian sometimes it feels you've got your your lukewarm like faith which meanders off and you end up like the younger brother or you've got like the really like extreme intense Christians who like they do a lot to make you know what they're doing but actually it, it can sometimes feel like it fiddles like drifts into performatism I remember an example of this, where I was at the Christian Union back when I was at university, and there was this, there was this debate, and I'm a bit like between the, the CU and the Atheist Society, which I'm dubious of as a real helpful mechanism to help people come to know Jesus, but that's the event that was chosen, and I remember I had this friend that came along, and one of the CU members came along and sort of like, like started debating them. This is after the main thing, this, and it was like very like all at the intellectual level all very like intense and I don't think my friend ever walked away from that thinking I want to go to church there's absolutely nothing in that interaction but my friend from the CU walked away thinking what a great job we have told people about Jesus but it wasn't done in a way that actually made it appealing and I personally don't want to be in either of those camps I desperately don't want this lukewarm faith where you end up life gets hard and you end up drifting away and then I also don't want this like uber intense, but what feels very performing like faith because we live a lot of life in the mundane. We can't. So, how do we survive these sort of like knocks in life? To start with that one, the COVID pandemic hit everyone very hard. And like that feels like a good example to give because whilst you can give loads of them, that's one we can also relate to. And I remember for me in church in London, it has really meant that a lot of my friends that went to church don't go anymore. 
Like that is like a real line in the sand where I've got numerous friends who just don't actually come anymore. And I think it's partly because one of the differences, because I did a bit of lockdown here and a bit in London, one of the differences is geographically we're very spread out. So it meant that people, it was just harder to connect with people if you were living on your own um, in a flat share with some people you don't get on with so well and then you're 20 minutes on the tube away. That's, that was even harder to connect. Um, also people, I think in the phase of life we're in, spent more time coming between wherever home was to get out of London and then back in London. It just meant a lot of people like didn't have a faith that could survive that period. And I think it was fascinating how actually community is so vital there. It seems so obvious and so unenthralled like as an answer but like to survive the knocks in life it seems actually having people around you is one of the things that is really key and then when we talk about not getting between the mountaintop moments the mundane like not just surviving the crisis of your life having having a faith intact but also being like resilient in the long term it seems, again, community is kind of vital. My church in London is called KXC, and the way they sort of, like, you know how you have your vital information nights? They'll throw out a Vision Sunday, because love a bit of branding. And on a Vision Sunday, they'll often put up this metric on the screen that says, come, belong, serve, give. And they're always having this slogan of, like, if you want to engage with church, this is it. These are our four ways. You know, come on a Sunday. You want to belong to a hub. You want to serve in a team, and you want to give to the church. And, but they'll put the percentages, and Pete, who leads the church, will often say, like, these are our proxies for, like, the health of a church. Not that in of itself these things are, like, uber spiritual, but actually if people's heart position is in a good place, you know, you will be coming along. You will be serving. And I think there's something really true in that. If we want to avoid um, drifting off, then actually being really present and consistent is really important. But hearing that, the pushback I would be giving me at this point is, well, are we not really at risk of becoming overly like the older brother? It's not enough just to turn up every week and resent that. Because the father gave the pushback and said, my son, the father said, you were, you were always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and to be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again and he was lost and is found. And that would be something that I'd be petrified of. Like, what is the, like, again, what is the point sitting here like every week for years on end and then ending up feeling bitter when someone else walks through the door because they've not like worked as hard as you or something like maybe less extreme but that like it's like this balancing act of wanting to like radical consistency seems to be something really valuable yet you don't want to do it in a way that leaves you feeling resentful but I think so far everything I've said feels very inward looking and that is part of the problem and I think if I want to make this like uber practical because I always find when preachers are a little bit too up here, I find myself thinking that's nice and all, but what is the point? So I have basically said I think there's two like we want to focus on when we do it together, how do we do it? And like have a faith that's really resilient, but also the importance of doing it alone. When doing it together, I think of like the friends I have in London and when it's worked really well and where people have like really like been faithful through really tricky times. 
And the answer seems to, those are the people I always actually have found in my hubs. It's, again, seems real simple. And, I, and the issues that they face, I was thinking, like, what are the big prayer requests that people are always throwing out? And it's like, housing, like most of my friends will move every year. Jobs, I've got a lot of friends who, like, they've been in that phase where they're moving from uni to, or to their first job. And, if, you know, if you don't have a job, you lose London, you lose your life that you've built. And for the last few years of my life, there's been a lot of friends that are doing exams. Those are the big ones. And then there's also the intangibles, like chronic loneliness, chronic anxiety. Those are the ones that people would throw out in my life. But I don't know, it might be different here. But actually, we weren't built to do a faith journey alone. And I actually have never seen anyone pull it off. And that's why I think COVID partly had so many people struggling with faith. And I've got to say, one of the things that I noticed is you used to call them life groups. And it wasn't long after I joined KXC and I started to, whenever I'd come home, there was a few little, I'd, I'd hear things and I'm like, oh, I wonder where you got that from, Dad, in your preachers. And he'd um, been listening to some of the podcasts. And then it was a few weeks later that Hubs got their rebrand. So, but one of the litmus tests, I think, for whether a hub works is I think, can you point to one person in a room and say, do you know what are the big things going on in that person's life? And when a whole group can do that, that's when that hub, I think, has really reached a point of being quite healthy. And I was reminded of this the other day because I've seen a friend who I've not seen for a couple of years. She got married, left the church, and there was a few of us that just met up again. And she was like, oh, I remember back, you had some breathing issues around... um, in 2020, um, when COVID had first hit, it was like, and you weren't able to exercise, you were trying to find an inhaler, like, how's that all going? And like, years later, she's remembered because that hub had got really good at being like, what are the things that are like, can we pray for for each other in life for you? And like, years later, she still remembered that. I don't know if I can promise that I'll ever be that good at remembering people's prayer requests, but like, that was just such a sign to me of like, how like, doing it together can like, build faith and build resilience. But, you don't want it to get too self-helpy. Like, all a bit too much, like, oh, if we just do these behaviors and these things, actually, we can, like, struggle through on our own. Because it's the point of this, not to have a more intimate relationship with Jesus. So, actually, all of that's important. I think it's important to turn up. I think it's important to have hubs that, like, do it together. But I think it's more important to pray. And this is where, like, I just um, was always planning to land, like, with, like, one point. I know that people love a three-pointer, but to be honest, I've never remembered three points from a preach, so I'm going with one. And I think that there's both biblical evidence for this, and I've got, this is what I've seen in my life. I had a quick Google, because my Bible knowledge is not this good, of like times when like Jesus like went away to pray in key times, and Google spat out to prepare for a major task in Luke 4. This was just before he... Um, he had 40 days in the wilderness before he started his public ministry. To work through grief in Matthew 14, um, he'd learned that John the Baptist had been beheaded. Before an important decision in Luke 6, he spent a night alone in prayer before he chose the disciples. And in a time of distress, Luke 22, just before he was arrested, he spent time praying. Actually, like if this is how Jesus chose to interact with God then that feels good enough for us. But also, it's more than just that, like, you look at Moses in Exodus, when he spent time 
uh, coming down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hand, he was not aware of the fact his face was radiant because he'd spoken with the Lord. So like, it has like a profound effect on us when we engage with God. And even that though, what does it mean to have more prayer in our life? And for me, that's the bit I'm always left with. And I've heard one thing that I've actually been able to implement in all of the hours of preachers I've ever heard. But actually it was in a book, Pete Gregg. Because actually a lot of time we don't feel like praying. A lot of the time it's hard work, especially if you want to have like a really, like you think, oh, it needs to be spiritual. It needs to be like intense. I'm trying to like have a more intimate relationship with Jesus. And he talks about having like a space in your house or a route that you walk or something. And or let's, we'll go with a chair. Have a chair that you can sit in. And it's not that that chair is in any way profound or spiritual or holy. But what it allows you to do is when, you don't, when life is hard or when life is mundane, is it allows you to go and to start the act of engaging with God physically before you're necessarily emotionally in that headspace. Like, say you're just, like, angry, and you've got nothing productive to say to God. Going and sitting in that chair is, like, a profound act of worship before you've even, and in prayer, before you've even actually gone any further with it. And you might then just be really angry with God, but you've brought it to him. And you can start with the physical act before you have to say something like particularly, like, intelligent. So, for me, that is the one note of advice that I'd want to leave people with is like where does prayer fit into your life so that when life gets mundane because it does and where life gets hard because it does like can you have like a more intimate relationship with Jesus and I'd encourage you to think about that practically don't just think I want to pray more because actually I've never seen that work I would say try and think of something really like rooted in like a pattern of your life that can be different doesn't have to be intense but can be different so that you can engage with God even when you don't feel like it so yeah thanks everyone